0: I بالله من الشيطان اللعين الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين بارئ الخلائق أجمعين who is الأنبياء والمرسلين ثم الصلاة والسلام who is the الأنبياء والمرسلين خاتم النبيين Shafi'i al-Muznibin, Habibi lahil al-Alamina, Bil Qasim il Mustafa Muhammad. Sali'i ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. Wala ali baiti hitaye bin al Tahirin al-Masumin. Wala anatullah hi ala ada'ihim ajma'in. Minyomi adawatihim ila yomidin. Amma bai'id. قَدْ قَالَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ فِي كِتَابِهِ الْحَكِيمُ وَهُوَ أَسْتَقُ الْقَائِلِينَ بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا صَبِرُوا وَصَابِرُوا وَرَابِطُوا وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ آمَنَّ بِاللَّهِ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ الْعَلِيُّ العظيم <laughs> 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 I begin in the name of Allah, the most kind, the most merciful. It's due to that kindness and mercy that we get these opportunities where we gather in remembrance and glorification of him, wa ta'ala. Then we send our condolences to our 12th and living Imam Al-Hujjah Jalallahu Ta'ala farajahu sharif Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. And to each and every one of you as we gather this evening to commemorate the Istishhad anniversary of his father in our 11th Imam, Imam Al-Hassan Al-Asqari alayhi afdalu salatu was salam. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. We pray to Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala that we each get an opportunity to go for the ziyarat of our Imam in Samarra and that we receive his shafaat in the hereafter, insha'Allah. Our Imam alayhi salam was born on the 8th of Rabiul Akhir in the next month, in the year 232 after Hijrah. and he received or he attained the station of Shahada he was martyred in the year 260 after Hijrah on the 8th of Rabiul Awal making him approximately 28 years old at the time of his um, martyrdom um, out of those 28 years the Imam salam was the Imam of the Ummah only for approximately six to seven years of that time by far the shortest period of Imamat um, and one of the shortest periods of ages as well um, by any of our Imams. Um, during those 28 years of the life of the Imam Alayhi um, there were six different Abbasid Caliphs who came into power and collapsed, and someone else came into power and collapsed. Um, and that tells us a lot of uh, information about the turmoil that existed within the Islamic Um, empire of the Abbasid at that time the fact that they couldn't have a ruler who would last for that long because of internal turmoil Um, and so on one hand you could see the the discord and um, the the upheaval that was happening within the leadership and you know um, whenever you look at a nation or a society or a community and you find lack of organization, you find upheaval. Um, If you would look at the leadership, you would find that many of those problems stem from the leadership because the leadership is disorganized, so you find that the community is disorganized. We get the perfect example in America right now, right? Um, We see who the leader is, and we see what the leader embodies um, and what he says, and you see exactly the same symptoms within the entire nation the fact that there is so much racism, there is so much police brutality against blacks and and people of color. Um, And when you look at where is this coming from, when the leader is is behaving in that way, naturally the people will behave in that way as well. And you can see that in any country, in any organization. Um, This is why leaders are always replaced, right? CEOs are always replaced because their leadership is failing to bring stability. So on one hand, you know, you have that example within the Islamic Ummah at that time, that there was instability um, that existed because of leadership. But at the same time, you know, the Abbasids were very well aware of prophetic traditions that said that there were going to be 12 Imams. Right? Um, And they could count up to 12. And they knew that our 11th Imam was the 11th Imam. And so you find that the 11th Imam was under constant scrutiny. Right? Um, where spies were placed in his house. Um, His wife uh, would be spied upon to see if she was pregnant. Um, And you see that the Imam alayhi salam was restricted in so many ways in communicating um, uh, with his Shia. And so you see that two very important um, establishments were made by our 11th Imam alayhi salam. The first was um, his usage of wukala, representatives the other Imams always use representatives but more so in cases for example that if the Imam was in Medina he would send a representative to for example Kufa for example or in different places and he would say that is my representative and you can go to him and you will be as if you were talking to me but in the eleventh Imams case what we find is that there are examples when people would come um, and the imam was present and he would say talk to my wakil he will deal with it and this was something very new i don't want to call it strange but very new but if you look at it right from the beautiful lens that they have the ability to look in the future and not only in the present the imam was training right he was training the shia that there's going to be a time when you will not have your imam present right and so you need to be familiar and you need to be okay with going to my representatives who will deal with it, uh, who will deal with your situations. And so that's one of the establishments that the Imam Alayhi um fermented that was practiced by the other Imams. And the second was that the Imam Alayhi you know, communicated more and more with letters. Um, And you see that especially um, in Ghaibat al-Sughra and in Ghaibat al-Kubra when people were fortunate enough to receive letters from the 12th Imam that this was a normal practice that the Imams would communicate with their Shia through letters. Um, But when you take both of these things together, right, the fact that there was turmoil within the government and that turmoil caused oppression of the Imam along with oppression of the Shia you find that in many of these letters, our 11th Imam alayhi salam, constantly reminded the Shia about being patient, of sabr, you know. Um, and that's what we have been talking about, and it ties in um, very well. In one of the very lovely examples we have, our Imam alayhi salam, in a letter he wrote to Ali ibn babaway al-Qummi, who was the father of Shaykh al-Saduq. Um, Shaykh al-Saduq is one of our most um, respected scholars. Um, who existed? Who lived in the time of Ghaibat al-Sughra, uh, One of our um, main scholars, I guess you can say. But his father Ibn Babaway al qummi um, was fortunate enough to receive a letter from the 11th Imam salam directly. And in this letter, the Imam uh, addresses the importance of sabr, right? Um, he says to him, and I'm, I'll quote um, a passage here. He says to him, "Ya Ibn Babaway." وَعَلَيْكَ بِالصَّبْرِ That I am advising you and cautioning you to be steadfast and patient. Wa وَإِنْتِذَارُ faraj And to actively anticipate the coming of the Imam, the Faraj, the release of the Imam. فَإِنَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمُ اللَّهُمَّا صَلِّ عَلَى مُحَمَّدُ وَعَلِهِ مُحَمَّدُ قَالْ أَفْضَلُ أَعْمَالُ ummati. Intidharul Faraj Because our Prophet has said That the best action um, That my Ummah can do Is to actively anticipate The Faraj or the relief of the Imam To actively anticipate it Right Um, Now we've talked about this What does that mean And inshallah maybe we'll talk about it again Um, It's a good way to gauge Whether or not we are actively anticipating Right because we can be anticipating. I think we're all anticipating. We're all waiting, looking forward, inshallah, to the Imam coming. But there are certain indications that will let me know whether I am actively anticipating, right? Um, you know, as active anticipation is not just about reading the Qur'an. It's not just about reading certain du'as all the time. There is so much more than that, right? Um, that's one aspect of our deen. Uh, I don't think the Imam will come any faster if I read, for example, the whole Qur'an in 30 days. You know, uh, if I'm not living the life of the Qur'an, it doesn't matter how fast I'm reading the Qur'an. You understand? We have to embody the actions and the advice and the guidance that is there. And here the Imam, alayhi salam, you know, he, he tells Ibn Babaway, he says, وَلَا تَزَالُوا شِعَتَنَا fi Hatta yadhara وَلَدِي aladi He says that my Shia will continue to be in a state of sadness and anxiety or anxiousness until the 12th Imam who the Prophet has talked about will come. Yeah? I want us to just, that's not my topic for today, right? My topic is something else. But this is something I find really interesting. Ma, wa la tazalu. La tazalu means that they are still remain my Shia that they will still remain who will remain Shi'atuna yeah? this is Imam is saying that our Shia our Shia not what we call ourselves yeah? but he says our Shia will be in a state of sadness until the Imam comes and again that's an example of of gauging, right, man. If we would just use like the Quran to gauge ourselves, you know, we would use Hadith to gauge ourselves. Like when I look in the mirror and I gauge myself, that's like a false gauging. You understand? Um, that's not a gauging which is accurate because naturally my eyes will will think I'm good looking. You know what I mean? But the reality is, does God think I'm good looking? You know what I mean, right? I'm not talking about looks here, yeah? Um, <laughs> uh, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Like, does God think I'm like that? Um, and this is one of the criteria: that our Shia, we have to be, or we are, we, to be considered a Shia, I'm expected to be in a state of sadness, right? Now, I don't think that this sadness is, is a sadness of like moping around. I don't think that's what's expected, right? But, you know, like a sadness where um, the gum never leaves. The feeling never leaves. And I don't know how, I, I think you understand what I'm trying to say, right? But I think the closest example that, I could, I, that, that comes to my mind is that if you've lost someone close to you, right? And life goes on after someone close to you passes away. Life does go on. But you never lose that, you never lose that feeling. You know, and we're not talking about twenty years after, because twenty years after, then I might remember them, like once a day when I pray or two rakat namaz for them, for example. But like when it's close, you're constantly in your mind thinking about them. That's the that's what Allah wants, or that's what our imams want from us, right? That's what our twelfth Imam wants from us, um, and so it's something that again that you and I have to gauge ourselves with. But the Imam continues in this letter, and he says, "Fasbir ya sheikh." Yeah, That, um, oh my sheikh, so be patient, right? In this time of Ghaiba he tells him, oh my sheikh, um, be patient. And that's pretty cool too, right? That uh, the imam calls Ibn Babaway sheikh. You know? um, and I don't think it's necessarily referring to an old person, because an old person in Arabic is referred to as sheikh. You would meet somebody elderly and you would call him sheikh, right? Um, but I don't think it's that. I think it's an honor that he's presenting to him to considering him a scholar, you know. And he says, "So, O my sheikh, um, be patient. Fasbir ya Sheikhi ya Hassan Ali wa jami' al shi'ati sabr." And he says, "And tell my Shia to also be patient." Right. And this is where we're talking about the subject now. Right. We're talking about patience. Right. Um, And what we've established so far and what we need to understand about patience is that patience is um, the key ingredient um, for success. The key ingredient for success. You know what I mean? It's like that that secret recipe that Popeye's has, for example. They, They don't tell anybody about, you know? That secret seasoning. That's what sabr is when it comes to iman. Right. That's honestly what it is. It's that thing that just takes it over the top. This is why traditions tell us, you know, like a rasul iman, that patience is the the fountainhead of iman. It's the head of iman. You know, like it's the main part of iman. Um, and so, whatever we're going through in life, if um, if we lack patience, we will not be successful. I don't care what it is, especially when it comes to iman. Okay, I want us to understand this That if I lose my temper easily If I can't deal with troubles well If I let the problems of this world get me down all the time If I can't, um, don't have the patience to wake up for Salatul Fajr If I don't have the patience to avoid haram things Man, then when I look in the mirror and I actually see a mu'min I'm lying to myself I'm lying to myself, right? Um, So what I need is patience. I need patience to do what God says, to be patient over everything that we need to do. Now, the biggest problem we said regarding patience is that we suffer from what's known as al-jazah. Al-jazah, we said, is anxiety, right? Um, And this anxiety is specifically about um, nervousness, Apprehension in matters that are pending or the unknown right? In matters that are pending or unknown And most of our lives are pending or unknown We don't know anything right? We don't know what the weather will be like right now When we go out We don't know inshallah if I'll get home safely right? We don't know if my electricity We don't know Most of our life is unknown Inshallah we all get home safely Right? Um, and inshallah we have electricity, inshallah. Right? But these are simple examples. But in life in general, there are unknowns. Right? My contract is coming up, will they resign me? It's an unknown. Uh, my child is sick, I wonder what it is, I hope it's all okay. It's an unknown. Um, how will I pay this random bill that has come up? It's an unknown. How will I afford winter tires? It's an unknown, 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 unknown. Right? How do I deal with these unknowns? And you find that most of us or most people deal with it with slight anxiety, right? We are nervous about it. We're apprehensive about it. Um, And then when that event passes, most of us will look back and say that, oh, I shouldn't have been anxious. Things went well, alhamdulillah, right? I just should have just trusted the process. Now, that's in normal situations. And then we did talk about how there are situations where some people can't bring that stability back right? and so they constantly remain in a state of anxiety and apprehension but that's another issue altogether where that is talking about um, a mental illness in that they have developed anxiety disorder I touched upon that in detail last lecture and I really don't want to talk about that again so what I want to talk about today is how to deal with that anxiety. Now again, we're not talking about anxiety disorders. We're talking about that vanilla anxiety as I had described it, that you and I suffer through. Oh my God, what will happen? Oh my God, how will I pay this bill? Oh my God, oh my God. And then when it's done, I'll be like, oh man, I wasted time by thinking that way. How do we deal with that anxiety? Um, Because as we said, that that, that type of anxiety is an indication that my connection to God is not strong enough. Okay, Don't let that get you down. I think I've talked about that in every lecture. Don't let that get you down. But um, when I have that type of anxiety, and I think we all have that, right? because it's very natural to have that. Um, but what does that mean? It means that my connection to God isn't strong enough. Right? And it means that I need to strengthen my connection with God. Why? Because God has told us, trust me when it comes to unknowns. Trust me. This is what tawakkul is. Tawakkal ala Allah. God says that all the time. Trust me. Now, you know, if for example, um, I had a project, right? And I had a team together in my project. So I say, Mujtaba, you're my partner in this, right? Get this done. Now if I trust Mujtaba, I'm not going to worry that this thing is going to get done because he's going to get it done. You know what I mean? Now if I don't trust him that well, I will text him every few hours. Mujtaba, is this done? Mujtaba, is this done, right? But if I truly trusted him, I would let him be and say, you do your thing and I'll see you at the end for the results, right? Our relationship with God Is similar. When God says, Don't be anxious, I got you. As long as you've done your work beforehand, as long as you fulfilled all the criteria, I've got you. And if I still am anxious, that's an indication that it's not strong there. Because if it was strong, I wouldn't worry about it. I would sleep like a baby. I wouldn't worry about it, right? But the fact that I worry is an indication to this. So again, that's something that you and I have to work on. Right? That when God says, "I'ma take care of this." When God says, "Man yattaqillah yajallahu makhrajah," that if you put your trust in Me and you're conscious of Me, I will find you exits. I will find you ways out. Man yajallahu furkanan. Right? That one who has God consciousness, I will show you the right and wrong. Um, وَيَرْزُقُهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ يَحْتَسِبُ and I will provide you from places you couldn't imagine God has like guaranteed us, guaranteed us, right? It's just us putting that trust in God, that's all it is, right? Now, how do we do that, right? How do we relieve that anxiety? So, um, we're just going to talk about, I think it's four things Right? How to relieve anxiety, and I think this is important for us. Right? It's really important for us. So, um, three things we're going to talk about. So, the first is um, that we need. So the first thing is that we have to. We have to look for symptoms. Um, to see if I have problems of anxiety, right? Um, So just like our ulama tell us, right, that uh, just like physical ailments, spiritual ailments have symptoms, right? And the the spiritual symptoms will manifest itself physically. So for example, um, if I lose sleep from time to time over unknown matters, Right Um, over things that I cannot control. Like I wonder when they'll reply back that email and then I lose sleep. I wonder if my loan will go through and so I lose sleep. And I wonder if um, I get this job and so I lose sleep. I wonder what they're thinking and so I lose sleep. And so I lose sleep over these things, right? That's an indication that anxiety is there in my life, right? Now some of us don't have that every night But randomly a thought will come through our head where generally like I don't have a problem with this right but all of a sudden one night I find myself still awake at two in the morning thinking about something that's like that's ridiculous like why am I spending time thinking about this right Um, but that's because at that moment a thought has captured me and now I'm apprehensive and I'm anxious about what is going to happen so it may not be a regular condition but it could be symptomatic and happens time from time. Or, for example, um, do I get um, emotionally unstable um, when faced with trials and tribulations? So there is something where I'm allowed to be emotional. We talked about this with patients. If I lose, if I lose a family member, I don't have to be stoic. right? I'm allowed to cry. But we're talking about an, a dis Proportionate emotional response to a situation okay, um, Where it may last for a long period of time, for example Or it's, it's an uncontrolled emotional response to a trial or tribulation Does trial and tribulations make me temperamental? right? So for example, I'll snap at my wife when I talk to her why? Because I'm going through something at work, for example. So I'm short with her. I'm, I'm, I'm harsh with her, you know. Um, and then afterwards, I'm fine with her. But during that time, um, I, I don't respond in a way where it seems like I am under control. You understand? Right? Um, do I lose my temper? Do I get cold? Um, all of these things are indications that when something Um, Unknown comes my way When a challenge comes my way That I'm not responding the way I should be responding Or that I am in normal situations You guys are with me or no? Right? Um, So these are alamat These are signs These are signs that are pointing to a particular um, Spiritual ailment I would say Right, that is indicating that yeah, but you have a little bit of anxiety in you. And like I said, I honestly feel that, that most human beings have this, right? Because very hard to be level-headed all the time, right? But that's the that's I think the epitome of iman. Like the highest level of iman is where, like as Imam says, right? Like in which has so many layers to it. He says, "Lo kushif Kushifal rital." Right? our first Imam says that when if the veils were lifted my iman would not increase even a little bit right what does that mean that means a stability in iman all the time constant right that's where we want to get to inshallah that's where we want to get to but we will fluctuate some fluctuate sometimes so number one I gotta point out symptoms and if I can honestly say that yeah man I have this Alhamdulillah, because then we can lead to getting better. Number two, I have to um, remind myself uh, about the dangers and harms of anxiety. Okay? Um, You know, the more you remind yourself, the less likely you are to repeat that particular event. Like, let me just give another very simple example like, um, let's say eating a particular type of food does serious damage to your stomach, for example, right? Um, as I get older, I find there are more and more foods that are do serious damage <laughs> to my stomach. For it. But let's just say it happens, right? Like if I eat this particular marcha, this particular spice, this particular spice hurts my stomach. And I know this, And I may be stubborn about it because that spice is just so darn delicious, right? But there's going to come a time when it hits me so hard that I'm going to stop eating it that now. So now every time it's placed in front of me, I am going to remind myself that, hey Jafar, don't eat that. That hurts your stomach. And then I'll stop eating it. You understand? Same thing happens with anxiety. I have to remind myself that, man, I had too many problems last time I was anxious. I have to remind myself that, oh man my children didn't talk to me for days after I responded inappropriately my wife was upset at me when I didn't respond in a pro- when I responded inappropriately um, last time I was anxious um, things got better all of a sudden and I wasted time being anxious I think that's like one of the biggest things we gotta remind ourselves of right um, if you think about the, the the lost hours of sleep because of anxiety and then in the end, everything turned out just all right. Alhamdulillah. Um, we and then we regretted, right? We re- I said, "Ah, what a waste of that anxiety." Alhamdulillah, but I gotta remind myself of that. That honestly, like, right? If if anxiety actually was beneficial, then our akhlaq would tell us to be anxious all the time. But anxiety does nothing for our system. Nothing. Just causes harm and difficulty to our system. And so I got to remind myself of these things. That anxiety and being anxious doesn't do any good. Um, And we being people of faith, um, what we also need to remind ourselves of is that anxiety actually causes us to lose Ajr from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala It causes us to lose Thawab from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Because why? We're showing him that I don't really trust him You understand? So naturally he's, he's, he's not going to Reward us the same if Take our rewards away altogether We get this tradition that I really like I quoted this in the house madlis um, That some of you were present in From our ninth Imam Al-Jawad Alayhi Salam. <laughs> Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad Where on a journey his belongings were stolen And so the person who was in charge of his caravan came to the Imam and apologized And he says, you know, I'm really sorry that I didn't take care of your goods as well as you I didn't take care of it as you asked me to And the Imam alayhi salam replies back very beautifully Right? He says to him, our souls and our riches are within the gifts that Allah has loaned to us yeah? That means this is a gift Whatever we had was Allah's And He allows us to enjoy it For a short period of time And then He takes it back Whenever He wants Right yani He's the giver And as the possessor He's allowed to take it back Whenever He wants We don't have any say in this Right I have um, My dad He decided to take my dad away early I don't remember saying it He was his Right, this is exactly what we mean when we say inna lillah. Right, um, this lam is lam of possession, lillah. Um, you know, we don't say inna min Allah. We are not from Allah. Right, we are for Allah. Inna lillah. That means we are God's possession. That's exactly what this phrase means. It's quite beautiful, right? So, if we are His, He's allowed to do with it as He pleases. So, the Imam says that these things are from God and god decides to take them whenever he pleases but what god does is that god when he takes something he leaves something in return now sometimes we don't see what he's left sometimes we'll experience it in the hereafter what he's left but god never just takes without leaving something in return right but then the imam ends something he ends the statement with this um with this uh with this line he says فَمَنْ جزعه Same word here. Yeah, جَزَعَ ghalaba, جَزَعُهُ عَلَىٰ صَبْرِهِ حَبِطَ أَجْرُهُ وَنَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنْ ذَلِكِ And he says, and whoever, like, so when God takes something and leaves something, but he says, whoever is not patient during these times and allows his anxiety to take over, God will take that gift away as well. Yeah. So, yani the gift that God has left behind because I was apprehensive, I was so disappointed that whatever I've had is gone. God's dis- disappointment is such at that time that He takes away the Ajr that we have also left. So, Sallallahu <laughs> Alaihi Muhammad Wa Ali Muhammad. Muhammad Wa Ali Muhammad. So, number one, I got to look for symptoms. Okay? Number two, I have to remind myself of harms that are caused by being anxious, be it physical or spiritual. Number three, I have to take physical and practical steps to control my anxiety. Okay? Um, this is where, like, you know, we have to actually. Um, so, like, the first step about, being, about taking physical steps. And practical steps um, is I have to be pragmatic with myself I have to be real with myself you know what I mean so when I'm going through anxiety uh, I have to literally stop myself literally how do I do that so for example a lot of times we face anxiety when we're in bed it's like 12 in 12 at night 1 at night and I'm just thoughts thoughts are going thoughts are going get up Right? Sit up, walk a little bit, and be real with yourself and ask yourself um, that are these thoughts that I am feeling real or are they imagined? okay are they real or are they imagined? and most of the times you will find that they are imagined, right so you know like there's two situations so like one um, let me try, I was trying to find a good example but then we're not gonna be anxious about something good, really, right? Um, So let's just say, Na'udhu Billah, inshallah, none of you do this. Um, I get caught cheating on an exam at school, right? And inshallah, none of you do this, right? Um, And then the principal calls me and says, you need to come see me first thing in the morning. Now I know I'm in trouble, right? Now I'm anxious about that okay that's a real that's a real threat right now you're anxious you're anxious you're anxious what are you gonna do right that's your bad you caused this to happen Um, and another case is I haven't done anything wrong I have Alhamdulillah I'm I'm a good student but the principal calls me and tells me he wants to see me you'll find that people will respond the same way they'll be anxious like, why? Why does he want to see me? I wonder what I've done. And you're tracing back and you're like, man, I haven't done anything, right? But you've created scenarios and scenarios and scenarios, imagined or real. You've got to be real with yourself. No one's going to do it but you, right? You have to ask yourself at that time, is this imagined or is this real? And if you find, for example, that these are not real, then you have to physically shut it down. If you have to make a list to show your brain then okay, this is not a real threat. Shut it down. Then you shut it down, right? Or you physically in your mind, because you don't want to wake up your spouse at one in the morning, right? Say stop. Stop. Yeah? Almost scold yourself, right? This is what jihad nafs is. Sometimes we we forget, right? That jihadun nafs, a major component of jihadun nafs is you're scolding yourself. You're reprimanding yourself. So you got to physically stop yourself. And this is where we have to learn to challenge our thoughts. We have to. If we're going to fight anxiety and and overcome anxiety, ask yourself, real or imagined? If it's imagined, don't waste your time. you got to physically stop it, right? And again, most of our thoughts are imagined. They're not real, okay? Um, Second part of physical um, and practical step, we need to learn to relax more often. Okay, um, so for example, there are you can go online and, and and look at this breathing exercises. We need to learn to breathe, right? Um, we need to meditate. We need to do more exercise. We need to walk um, in the fresh air. We need yoga. You know, Alhamdulillah, they finally have men's yoga here. Um, They asked me to give it a plug, so please show up for men's yoga. Yeah, Um, but ladies, alhamdulillah, they are smarter than us and have been doing it for much longer than us here. Um, And men finally have yoga now, so please do participate. But these things are so important. You know, this is why we had. um, I was really, really pleased with being one of the organizers of men's retreat, right? Because alhamdulillah, sisters have retreat, youth have retreat, but men don't have retreats and we need a break. We need a break, right? Um, Women, alhamdulillah, work as hard as we, but there's this notion that no, you're supposed to grind eight to five. You're supposed to, you're a man, deal with it. You know, you need a break, we need a break, right? And so we need moments of just relaxation, of breathing in air, and these are important steps towards Being better. So, we need to, for example, do these exercises, go out for a walk, enjoy. Um, We need to sometimes just unplug, honestly. Um, So, for example, um, reading a book, watching a movie, right? Um, Unplug, right? I swear our religion does not forbid these things, right? It doesn't. obviously I have to be careful what I'm watching but we're smart enough to understand that I think right Um, but if I find a good halal movie yeah there is nothing wrong with me relaxing and watching eating some popcorn and just taking it easy because at that moment at least that anxiety will not be overcoming me I will find an escape for that time and that's healthy that's healthy. We have to learn to unplug, my brothers and sisters. Um, but at the same time, one of the ways that we need to turn to for unplugging is through the Qur'an. Yeah? We don't read the Qur'an enough. Allah kulub That you find contentment in Allah, in the remembrance of Allah. Read the Qur'an. right? Listen to the Qur'an. One of the things that... Um, Works And I'm telling you, it works. You have to repeat it and repeat it. Go into sajda as often as you can. Right? Talk to Allah. Talk to Allah. He loves nothing else to hear our voice. So do these things. These are just some very practical and simple ways of lessening anxiety. Um, so that's two. Number three within these practical steps is that I have to repeat encouraging statements and I have to keep positive people around me. If people are just gonna bring me down all the time, then I'm gonna be down all the time. I have to remind myself that hey, you're tripping, relax. That hey, you're imagining things, relax. Hey, it's not that bad, relax. Hey, tomorrow's a new day, relax. Hey, the sun's gonna come out, relax. I need to be able to realize, right, that things are going to be okay. Things are always going to be okay, man Things are always going to be okay I can't allow anxiety to to bring me that down I really can't, right? Um, And so I have to repeat these positive statements There's so much out there, right? Like if you just Google like the positive reinforcement, you're gonna find tons of material about the benefits of positive reinforcement. Islam has always encouraged this, right? It's just that we look for these like new sciences to talk about it, and then we find that okay, alhamdulillah. But Islam has always in- embraced these type of um, ways of doing it. Um, and then if I honestly find that the problem is severe, where th- with exercise with all of these things, with meditation, with um, reading the Qur'an, I just can't stop my mind from being nervous, from being anxious, then maybe I need to talk to somebody, okay? Um, And don't be shy about that, whether you need to talk to a spiritual guide, whether you need to talk to your spouse or your friend, or you need to see a doctor, right? Right? Um, don't jump into medicine, but talk first. Talk it out, right, with experts, because there are experts in these things, um, and they will guide you appropriately. Um, but don't prolong it. Don't don't prolong it. Try these steps first, man. These are things that, if it hasn't crossed a certain line, will will regress and will become better, and inshallah it will. Um, but there will come a certain time for certain people who they need professional help. And don't be shy with that. This is how we get better. And then the last thing is obviously I need to learn to actively practice sabr. And that's what we'll talk about tomorrow. Um, like as we did today, very practical steps. Tomorrow we're going to talk about practically applying sabr and steadfastness into our lives, Inshallah. Sallu ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. This is the beauty when we look at the Bayt, alayhimus salaam. You know that no matter all the difficulty that they endured, um, there, were never, there was never any apprehension or anxiety within them. Um, and of course that is a direct corollary um, of their iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And that's what they constantly talked about to their shia. Be patient my Shia, Right? increase your Iman my Shia, and you will notice a tremendous improvement in the course of your life. Um, This advice and this guidance that the Imam would constantly provide naturally was something that was attracting the people towards the Imam. And this is again something that the Abbasids could not stand. And so you find that on a day such as this in the year 260 after Hijrah, Mu'tamid the maloon poisoned our Imam alayhi salam We are told <laughs> lamma al hasan al marada that when the poison went through the body of our Imam Immediately the Imam was overcome with pain and illness The Imam Alayhis returned back to his home In the last few hours of his life a companion by the name of Abu Ismail He said I was with our Imam And the Imam kept saying that I am so thirsty, oh Abu Ismail that do you mind bringing me some water and he
1: says every time I would bring some water in front of the Imam his hands were shaking so much from the poison that he could not drink this water finally the Imam said that go next door and you will find a young boy in that room bring that boy to me ah my brothers and sisters this is sahib zaman coming to see his father Wa this is our night where we give our pursa And we give our condolences to our Imam The Imam of our era Where the Imam now at this young age of 5 or 6 Comes to see his father When the Imam sees him He hugs him and smiles And he says to him Ya Bune Anta sahib zaman Wa antal mahdi Wa anta, wa anta fi ardi that you are now going to be the imam of this ummah. It is reported, our 12th imam took a cup of water in his hand and then with his other hand, he began to move the, move the lips of his father so that the water could go down his throat. Wow, <laughs> Imama. Wa we say salam to our Imam in this day. That how difficult it must have been for you to witness your father undergoing such difficulties. But we ask you, Ya Sahib zaman is this the most difficult time that you have witnessed, or have you heard of your grandfather Hussein, who on the plains of Karbala went without any water? for three days was that the most difficult in Ziyaratun Nahiyah our Imam salam when he talks about his grandfather Hussein, he says he says that O Hussein. Oh my grandfather Hussein, since I was not there with you, I will instead cry blood instead of tears for you. It is said a scholar by the name of Alhaj Tabrizi, he says, I saw Sahib al-Zaman in my dream. I asked him, Ya Sahib al-Zaman, what makes you cry blood instead of tears? Is it the Musibah of Hussein that makes you cry blood? The Imam says, Oh Shaykh, it is not the musibah of my grandfather Hussein." He says then, is it the musibah of Abu al-Fadl al-Abba? He says, no, it is not the musibah of Abu al-Fadl. He says then, what is this musibah that makes you cry blood instead of tears? He says, by God, this is the musibah of my aunt Zainab and she was taken as prisoner from كربلا تكوفا فسيعلم الذين ظلموا أن يمون قلبي ينقلبون والآقبة للمتقين إن لله
0: وإنا إليه راجعون ماتم من حسين